the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brockler back with you here, filling in for the great Peter Boyles at 710 KNUS. Uh, two things have really been driving the conversations that we've been having this morning, uh, both of them touching upon maybe an overarching, not just issue, but feeling that there is a sense of lawlessness afoot here in our community that is impacting the way now everyday citizens are conducting their lives. We talked with Matt Connolly from Campfire Colorado about the fact that this annual big-time end-of-the-season event with all the best of the best players in Aurora was canceled last night by the school district because the school district did not think, despite the information from Aurora PD to the contrary, that they could keep the attendees and the participants safe. But at the same time yesterday, that same day, the district attorney for Denver, Beth McCann, issued a statement and finally, by the way, uh, dismissed 17 months after bringing charges and the the death of Lee Keltner, dismissed all of the charges. And maybe there was only the second degree murder. I can't remember, but dismissed the case against uh, Matthew Doloff. And, And I think it's important to know what statement that they made, because this wasn't just done in a vacuum. Remember, it was a couple a couple weeks ago, maybe it was March 11th that uh, the defense attorney for Matthew Doloff indicated that he had just heard from the DA that they were planning on dumping the case against his client, and it got us talking about this. But now we have a an official statement on the Denver DA's website, and it's concerning. And it, it, let me just – I'm going to hit the lead right up here. At the end of the day, it appears that the Denver district attorney is saying that the criminal in this episode was Lee Keltner. And that had Lee Keltner lived, he'd be the one on trial. Let me read you the statement, and I'll explain to you how we get to that very easy-to-come-to conclusion. This is from the Denver District Attorney's website. You can find this. This this is from yesterday. This afternoon, prosecutors with the Denver DA's office formally dismissed the case against Mr. Matthew Doloff, who was charged in October 20. Who was charged, by the way, is a sissy passive voice. The real answer here is who we charged in October 2020, with one count of murder in the second degree for the shooting death of Mr. Lee Keltner. As the case progressed over 17 months, despite the fact that there was frame-by-frame analysis of this, I presume before they charged it, and a full analysis of the case details, including materials provided by defense counsel, which, by the way, we don't know what they are, prosecutors realized that they would not be able to prove that Mr. Doloff did not have the right to use deadly force to defend himself and others pursuant to Colorado law. And aside, very tortured language here. Of course, he has the right to defend himself. That's never the issue. And they don't have to prove that he did not have the right to do it. That is not the way the law works. They have to prove that he did not act in self-defense. Prosecutors have an ethical obligation to proceed with a criminal case only if they believe they can prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which is why the case was dismissed today in Denver District Court. That is true. That is 100% true that they have to do that. But, but i got to break this down for you because in the next paragraph, it is contradictory. 
The two ethical touchstones for prosecution in any criminal case, are they're this. One, that you have a good faith basis to, one, believe a crime was committed, and two, believe that the person you're prosecuting is the person who committed that crime you've accused them of. That's one. The second standard is that you believe you have a reasonable likelihood of success at trial. Those are two separate and distinct things. If you're missing either one of or both of those, you must get rid of the case and not at some future court date immediately. That didn't happen here. And let's talk about why that is. You can have a good faith basis to believe that somebody committed a crime, but look at your evidence and say, I can't get there from here. I don't I, I do not have a reasonable likelihood of success at trial. So you can't prosecute. That's the I'm not just going to go to a jury and see what they say. That is nonsense. We don't ever want a system like that. But the other prong is true, too. There are cases where with the evidence and the arguments, you might be able to convict someone of a crime beyond a reasonable doubt. But if you don't believe it, if you don't have a good faith basis to believe it, you can't move forward. So you can see how they're two separate and distinct things, but they have to both exist at the same time. So this first paragraph from the Denver DA's office is saying, we think that we cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt. We do not have a reasonable likelihood of success at trial of convicting Doloff of the second degree murder of Lee Keltner. Now we go to that uh, second paragraph, and that's the paragraph that includes a, a direct quote from the Denver district attorney in this particular case, which I am struggling to find that second page, but it is, oh man, this is just radio as it's being made here. Hang on, I'm going to find it. There's no chance that I smoked it. Uh, here it is. <laughs> just went Rush Limbaugh with the paper thing. This is a quote. Lee Keltner's death was a tragedy, and I understand that this decision is difficult to accept for those who loved him. My heart goes out to the friends and family of Mr. Keltner. However, without provocation, Mr. Keltner verbally threatened and physically assaulted Mr. Doloff. Those are crimes, folks. She said Lee Keltner committed crimes against Matthew Doloff and was the initial aggressor before being shot. Under Colorado's law, this is key. Because this is no longer about reasonable likelihood of success at trial. This is the DA coming out and saying, I believe Matthew Doloff. Listen, under Colorado's law, Matthew Doloff had no duty to retreat and was legally justified in his actions. While I don't agree with Mr. Doloff's decision to use lethal force, the fact remains he had the right to do so under our law. That is now the DA saying... I believe that Matthew Doloff acted in self-defense against the criminal conduct of Lee Keltner. And I don't have a good faith, but without ever using that ethical prong, I do not have a good faith basis to proceed with this prosecution. That is very different, very different than saying I don't have a reasonable likelihood of success at trial. One is saying I think it happened, but I can't prove it. The other is saying I don't think he committed a crime. So here's where we're at today, March 22nd. 2022, 17 plus months after Lee Keltner was shot through the eye by Matthew Doloff. The Denver DA has come out and announced Lee Keltner is the criminal here. And had he lived, had he not been shot, he would have been the one prosecuted and he would be the one on trial. Is that right? Is that what you saw in that video? 
Is Lee Keltner the criminal? Because the DA didn't come out and say it appears or there's no presumption of innocence because there's no crime charged here. But let me read you that language. Mr. Keltner verbally threatened. That's called menacing. That's misdemeanor menacing, putting someone in fear of imminent serious bodily injury or death through that kind of verbal conduct or otherwise. That is a misdemeanor. If she tacks on the fact that the bear spray could have been perceived as or threatened as a deadly weapon, now it's a felony. So Lee Keltner, according to the Denver DA, has either committed misdemeanor or felony menacing and then says, and physically assaulted Mr. Doloff. It's either harassment or third-degree assault when he slaps him, right? If he slaps him, it could be probably a shove, kick, push, you know, some sort of annoying thing. Or if it caused pain, that's all that's required, it's an assault. So in one press release, 17 months after Lee Keltner is shot in the face by Matthew Doloff, who should not have been carrying a gun at that time in the capacity in which he worked, the Denver DA has come out and said, I believe Matthew Doloff. And Lee Keltner is the criminal. How does that strike you? Is that what you saw in that video? When you look at this, is that what you saw? And the maybe the bigger question as it ties into this growing lawlessness in the state of Colorado is, what is going? Are, are we turning into the Wild West out there? Is that what's happening? Nobody gets to be held accountable for their conduct, and instead we adjust our lives to the criminals. On the one hand, you have a guy that showed up to a Patriot rally armed with bear spray and a slap. And for that, he got a bullet in the face and the end of his life. And we're told he was the guy that killed him was justified in doing it. Not we can't prove otherwise. He was justified. What he did was okay under the law. And Keltner was the criminal. That's what this release says. Lee Keltner was the criminal and it cost him his life. And then we move just just down the road, just a hair, into Arapahoe County at Overland High School. And the Cherry Creek School District, on the heels of canceling valedictorians in class rank, have come in and said, we don't believe the Aurora Police Department when they say they can keep us safe from this annual all-star game. What's going on out there? Is this what you see? Are we turning into the Wild West? How are you interpreting the it, – it strikes me that our lives are now being guided by the decisions of people who put the criminals ahead of the victims, that put those who want to offend and would offend over those against whom they would offend. How do you respond to that? Am I just seeing this wrong? Is there no common thread here? I mean, we've gotten to the place now. By the way, Denver, 40-year high for homicides. Is that what I read in the paper? PR bonds everywhere, $2, $5 bonds Everywhere, jails being emptied, not so much now anymore. Parole, I I mean, who do they not grant parole to anymore? Didn't we just see another murder, I think it was in Pueblo, off of someone who'd been released on parole? I mean, is it a Ouija board they're using to decide who should go? Are they channeling the... The, the victims of some other crime to find out, should we let this guy go? It's one of those claw machines. You know, they put in enough tokens and then it just claw reaches machine. down and that's what it is. Yeah, uh, that's how you choose. Yeah, it's, one of the things you just talked about, George, was the idea of how you revealed that the DA is looking through the lens and views Keltner as the criminal in that confrontation between he and Matthew Doloff. We've seen the pictures. We've seen... The video. At any point in time, while you are watching that video or looking at those pictures, did you ever 
think, wow, Keltner's going to kill that guy. Did, did you ever come across that feeling? Yes, it was an interaction. Yes, it was aggressive. Yes, it was the beginnings of a fight. But did it ever cross your mind while you were viewing it that, oh, my God, that guy with the bear spray is about to kill the other guy? Uh, I didn't have that feeling, but I, no. I think if you're the prosecutor. That's what they saw. You've got to put yourself in that dude's shoes. The, the, the parts that concern me, Billy, about this aren't just – look, it was unnecessary – to come out and say, I believe Matthew Doloff, and oh, by the way, Lee Keltner is a criminal. They could have merely dismissed or or put out publicly that they dismissed the case because they did not think they could disprove self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt. But instead, the last formal words spoken on the loss of life of Lee Keltner are going to be from a district attorney who says, I think that Matthew Doloff was justified in killing Lee Keltner because Lee Keltner was the criminal here. Now, keep in mind, there may be a civil lawsuit for wrongful death that's fired and in, uh, filed. And in doing that, the D.A. has just offered up to the public that might sit on that jury a reason to grant zero dollars. And that is to say Lee Keltner criminal. The D.A. said so. Yeah. And the Matthew, thing is, yeah, Matthew Doloff defended himself. As you showed within those first two paragraphs coming from the D.A.'s office, the first two paragraphs are a smokescreen. The first two paragraphs are a political whitewashing of what they want people to believe because they don't believe that the average person is going to read more than just the first paragraph of what they released. They didn't think anybody was going to critically think about what they wrote. They didn't think anyone was going to get to that third paragraph and they felt, for whatever reason, they had to justify their choices. Unfortunately, when they came to that justification, they revealed their true motivation. The true motivation was they believe that Keltner was the criminal in that situation. And based on how they decide, decline to charge, they feel he got what he deserved. You know what? That That's actually the right way to put it. He got what he deserved. And even though the DA comes out and says, hey, I disagree with his decision to use lethal force, she's saying completely justified under the law. Not I can't disprove it, but justified. Here's the other interesting ethical thing. They go out of their way to say we were ethically obligated to do this. But let's be clear about it. When's the timing of the moment that they believed that Doloff acted in self-defense or they believed they couldn't disprove it? Because even if you accept that it was magically on March the 10th or March the 11th that there was some information that was revealed through discovery or some secret communication between the defense, and I say secret because we don't know what it is, that ethical obligation doesn't trigger 10 days later. That ethical obligation says if you demand and you have the power to prosecute, the moment you no longer believe you have the ethical ability to move forward, you must dismiss not, and again, I'm not saying Doloff is a criminal. I'm not saying Doloff is a victim. But I'm saying as the prosecutor, the minute you realize you can no longer ethically maintain a prosecution against someone, you don't wait for the next court date. Why didn't they file the motion to dismiss right then and there on March the 10th or the 11th? The bigger question for me in terms of the timing is, what was the new fact that you got 17 months later? Why wasn't this before charging? 
Well, I mean, if you believe Matthew Doloff acted in self-defense or you even had reservations because it's a murder charge, you are under no timeline. Obli- There's no statute of limitations that would have prevented you from taking the time to one investigate further if you thought it needed to happen. Even going to a grand jury, if you felt like, geez, I just can't make a decision, I'm going to pull a fill and I'm going to get someone else to make it for me, you could have done that. But nope, they rushed to charge this guy with second degree murder. I think they may have even gone for, I can't remember what they did on the bond thing initially. And then 17 months later, punted and punted in a public way that doesn't just say we can't prove, disprove self-defense, which is what they're obligated to do under the law, but to say Lee Keltner's a criminal. And Lee Keltner was killed because of his criminal conduct. That's what the district attorney said. Why? That is so gratuitous and unnecessary to say that. And here's the other piece of this. Why not hold a public press conference where members of the media or the public can ask questions? How is it that on one of the most high-profile cases in the metro area involving the biggest news station in Denver, by the way, remember, Nine News hires this lawless guy, and I say lawless because he didn't—he wasn't licensed to carry a firearm but did it anyway. And he's a, with pictures and video. This thing has been out there now for 17 months. How do you just issue a quick press release and say, and this is why we did it, I'm so sorry, everybody, peace out. We should expect more. We should demand more from district attorneys. And by the way, I'd say the same thing about a Republican who punted on this as a Democrat. You need to make yourself publicly available to be scrutinized by the media, even if they're going to throw hugs around you or to be publicly scrutinized by just members, members of the community or Lee Keltner's family. Let's have that public discourse. But instead, it's just a written statement. And that written statement was a revelation. It was a revelation. Let's go right to the phones, 303-696-1971. Frank, you're on the George Bro- – well, you're on George Brockler filling in for Peter Boyles. How are you? Hey, George. Uh, you know what bothers me about the keltner Doloff problem is that this really gives some cover to Nine News who could be facing A ton. liability here because if you remember the, the circumstances, this cameraman was running around with Doloff, and they were basically uh, following that agitator uh, around with the camera. They were more or less putting – it was the equivalent of putting two cats in a bag and watching them try to get into a fight and, and filming it. The only difference here is that here one of the cats killed the other cat. I mean, that's what the cameraman killed the other cat. And it was, you know, that's what happened. I mean, I, I just don't like that this gives cover to the who's really the responsible entity here. And that's Nine News. Well, I do think um, Nine News is potentially exposed here on liability, and I don't know if there'll be a wrongful death suit or if there is one. I don't know anything about that. I want to, and I've had other people, um, Frank, point this out or at least suggest this, and that is, hey, do you think this decision was done for the benefit of Nine News? I don't. I don't think Beth would ever make a decision about whether no, to prosecute yeah, or not for Nine it. News. But I am troubled by the decision making here in terms of timing and ultimate result and what they said. I mean, did you hear that to be that the DA was coming out and saying Lee Keltner was the criminal here and uh, I, and, and he got shot for you it? You know, I heard, I heard the way it's worded, I hear that, yeah, it's like Keltner has responsibility here. Now, ultimately, I think that, there, look, this was just a big mess is what it amounted to. And, and, you know, Keltner's share of responsibility, in my estimation, was minimal relative to Doloff. But and relative to nine news. But the thing is, I, I just don't like that they are uh, finding a way to divvy up the responsibility or to make it w- word it so that 
it tends to point more responsibility towards Keltner. Well, um, and, 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 and these, the these are those words, it. Frank. These are the district attorney's words in yep. a quotation. Mr. Keltner verbally threatened and physically assaulted Mr. Doloff and was the initial aggressor yep. before being shot. She's saying he committed crimes against Doloff. He could not claim self-defense. And it sounds to me like had Doloff not had the gun and Lee Keltner survived all this on video, Lee Keltner's on he trial. He would have been charged. Yeah, and he's that, on trial. You know, and, and that really, it, it, they're kind of padding their... You know, well, we're not sure we could have uh, disproven the self-defense. It seemed to me like the the Doloff thing was really a. I mean, there is no preemptive self-defense here. <laughs> and, no, you don't you get preemptive. No, not like that. You're right I about mean, that. And and you know, it's all happening in in a, in a matter of split seconds. But they're trying to kind of just bolster their decision not to prosecute. Is what it. That's the way I read that. Yeah, that, I I do too. I do, too. I, you know, it, it was unnecessary to come. Although, if it's true, I get it. But they came out and said Lee Keltner's the criminal. He's the initial aggressor, the assaulter, the verbal threatener. Yeah. And Doloff acted in self-defense. She didn't say we can't disprove it. She said he acted in self-defense. That is a big, big statement. Frank, thanks for getting us started in this hour, 303-696-1971. Frank's line is open. James, everybody else on hold will get back to you right after a break. Until that time, George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles on 710 KNUS. All the way back with you here at 710 KNUS, George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles, getting right back to the phone lines that are filling up. There is a line just now open. We had a caller, I can't remember the name, who was going to disagree with me on this whole Doloff-Keltner thing. Please give us a call back. Love to have that conversation, 303-696-1971. Going to Ronald. Ronald, what do you think? Hello, George. Hey, How are you doing, man? I'm living the dream. What do you think about all this? Um, I think everybody jumped to conclusions too fast. In what way? Well, for one thing, um, nothing was really proven, even though the um, the court system said it was, but it really wasn't. What do you think should have happened here? I think that they should have took more time to decide the case instead of try, instead of doing such a rush job. Well, it's 17 months from the time they first accused Doloff of murder. That's not quite a rocket docket. That's not a fast-paced decision. They had plenty of time. What do you think they were doing? Like, what would change their mind from the day they charged this guy in October until their decision to dismiss it yesterday? Well, maybe more diligent, um, a more diligent search. Well, I don't know if the search would have revealed much. Do, why do you think they dismissed the case? What do you think's going on here? I think I think um, it was. Um, I don't think nobody could really make up their mind. I think they wanted to do a rush job on the guy. Do you feel like it was self defense on Doloff's part? I mean, do you agree with the district attorney that Lee Keltner was the criminal here? No. Yeah, I, I have you watched that video? Um. Well, George, I can't see so. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for telling me that. And I'm sorry to have asked that question. I didn't know that. Um, is your sense of it here that the decision would have been the same regardless of what roles these guys played? Like, had the roles been reversed and Keltner had been the one that shot Doloff, do you think the same decision would have been made? Probably. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know because that means there's at least consistency in some of that decision making. 
Uh, Ronald, I really appreciate you listening, and thanks for that great phone call. 303-696-1971. Arnie, we'll go to you, then we'll take a break, and we'll be joined by uh, City Councilman uh, Dustin Zavonik. Arnie, what do you think? George, I have a comment on both things. Um, oh, great. And I'll try to make them as quick as I can. Yeah. Number one, the school district in Aurora, um, number one, I think based upon on all of the stuff that you hear, and I, and I only hear it on the radio, I don't think that uh, because of certain instances that have happened in Aurora, I don't think the school district uh, trusts the police department. And by the way, that's the and Cherry second, Creek School District, not the Aurora, not APS. This is Cherry Creek. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't it Aurora that uh, yes. was going to say that everything was okay? That's right. That's yeah, correct. well, I think they don't trust them. And number two about that part, uh, school districts, just like a lot of uh, other public entities across the country, districts and this, that, and the other, they they all have assumed superhuman powers over what their little role is supposed to be. And I think that's just another instance. It's no different than people, you know, requiring masks or or, or saying this is going to happen or that's going to happen, and they just press the limits of what their authority is supposed to be. Uh, have you now, seen this with your kids or grandkids that are still in school, other areas like this? No. <laughs> thank goodness mine are all out of school, and I didn't even trust the school system because the first two kids, we homeschooled them, and the uh, third child, uh, we sent him to a uh, private school. And, okay, um, okay. I, I, I never trusted the Jeffco school system as far as I could throw them. I'm a product and, of the Jeffco school system, man. You're scaring me. Well, that's too bad. That's just the way it is. It seems now, to have worked out so the, far. I can string a sentence together at a minimum. Maybe the math thing could be better, but uh, I feel like when I was in R1, that was Jeffco. It was, I think it was biggest in the state or one of the biggest. Uh, I thought it was a great education. Now, granted, that's decades ago, but uh, I thought it was great. Well, anyway, uh, I didn't. So, uh, and I took them. I took them out after one was in um, uh, seventh grade and the other was in fifth grade. What and schools we were they in when you pulled them? What, what schools were they in out there? Uh, one was in Deer Creek, and the other was in um, uh, Schaefer Elementary. Okay, not too far yep. from where I went. Very, very interesting. Interesting. <clears throat> now, stuff. with regard to the city of Denver, I'm I'm going to have to throw some. Shade uh, towards the uh, radio station. Yeah, do it. You know how hypersensitive all these people are. And quite frankly, one of your uh, local radio hosts has been blasting Beth McCann uh, right and left. And I'm not so sure that this wasn't a vindictive shot across the back at that particular host in his program to say we're going to – because there's been a lot of talk on there about about the civil lawsuit and about this and about that – and this particular host has called her every name in the book oh, no. in the recent days, including he called her he called her just a, a day or so ago an old an old hag and her firebug husband. Mm. Now, you know, I know that it's it's hyper political times and sure. hypersensitive times, and it could be very well. The uh, DA's office said, "I'm going to take that off the plate by I- issuing my own." Uh, uh, decision on the matter that the other guy was actually the criminal, so it would make it more difficult for them to bring any kind of a civil lawsuit. I, that's my own personal opinion, and I listen to the radio every day to all of these guys on your station yeah. and one other. Well, Arnie, and, let, first off, I I appreciate that. I do think there's a civility thing here, but I'm not I'm not going to 
take up arms against any other person on the station that can do it themselves. But I, I do encourage you, tune in to him later in the day and, and call in and have that conversation with him. But I appreciate what you're saying. I will say this. Uh, I disagree with the decision here, or at least the timing of it. I'm not sure about the substance. I'm never going to question a prosecutor when they say they can't make their ethical obligation because I want us to do that. So I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm really asking for comment on it in terms of the timing and the substance. Uh, but I'm not going to let that disagreement turn into to anything more. I'm not the elected DA out there. Uh, but I love being scrutinized for the decisions I made as district attorney. Listen, we got to cut away for a quick break. But on hold with us right now is Aurora City Councilman Dustin Zvonik, who's the head of the public safety, I think, subcommittee, working group, task force, Delta Force. It's got some cool name to it. I think they have patches and tattoos. We'll know more about that in a little bit. But until that time, George Brockler filling in for Peter Boyles right here on 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here on 710-KNUS. Lewis, Gina, everybody else on hold at 303-696-1971. We are going to go to our VIP line with Aurora City Councilman Dustin Zvonik. And after that, I promise you, if you stay on hold or you call back after this interview, we will put you on air, whether it's in this hour or the next. But I don't want to delay any more. A special guest, Dustin Zvonik, you've heard from him before on the show. We've had some public safety discussions. This one kind of touches that, but some other stuff. Dustin, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, and thanks for being on hold for those couple minutes while we paid some bills. Um, you are not just a city councilman. You're the chair of the public safety SWAT force. Committee. What's it called? Yeah. Committee. Now, yeah. I heard you try to describe this. I'm the chair of the public safety committee, and um, at least not to date. We don't have tattoos and badges, although what? this this is uh, something that could definitely be on our agenda for next month. <laughs> Maybe a tattoo of a badge, <laughs> two birds, one stone yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, now, th- this right. thing just happened, right? Like yesterday, there was supposed to be this big annual Aurora Sentinel-sponsored kind of MVP game where one of the best basketball players from each of the big schools in, in Aurora and Cherry Creek really got together to play. What What happened? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a youth um, high school all-star game between you know the, the best basketball players, both the two girl teams, two boy teams. Um, they do this on, on an annual basis, and you know I was reading the morning news and, and read about Cherry Creek uh, School District deciding that they were going to, to cancel it out of fear of uh, public safety concerns for the, the players and their families. And of course, as a member of council who um, you know ran and has has governed in my first few months on on council with public safety being a top priority, it concerned me to, to know that we're canceling youth sports events in our city out of um, concerns for keeping our families safe. So I, I reached out to the police department and, and said, hey, what's going on? Did, did we recommend this or was there a specific threat? Why, are, why is this being canceled? Because this is not a good look for our city to be canceling a youth sporting event like this. And uh, the response I got was that APD felt like they um, could in fact keep the families and players safe. They did not recommend canceling it. This was a decision by Cherry Creek, um, which is disappointing because, as I've pointed out, you know, for for so many of these kids, uh, the opportunity to participate in youth sports is it's a very limited window. This time you don't get this time back. You and I know that we yep. we've watched our kids um, grow up and and see this time go by so quickly. And over the past two years, this window has already been cut short by a health pandemic that's, you know, cut youth sports short. And now we're, we're in this position where we're talking about allowing or potentially allowing the, the crime pandemic to, co- to cut the, you know, youth sports short even more. Um, and and I, I don't think we should ever be in this position. We have to and should do whatever it takes to allow these kids 
um, to, to be highlighted. I mean, these are the best of the best at their age. They all look forward to this game. And so I've actually reached out to our um, city management and to our parks department that I want to find one of our rec centers. And if Cherry Creek won't host it, um, I'll reach out to the Sentinel and say, we'll host it and work with the police department to ensure the safety of the players and families so that these kids can play the game. And you'll have it right there at the Aurora Municipal Center? No, I'm kidding. You're, you're going to have well, so it. We, yeah, yeah. It'd be one awesome, of our rec centers. We have a number of rec yeah. centers. Yeah. And so I've reached out to the parks department and said, hey, is one of our rec centers available? Um, and assuming that that is the case, we'll reach out to the Sentinel, who is actually the, the host of it. Um, if Cherry Creek is unwilling to host it at one of our high schools, we'll do it at a rec center. Um, but the bottom line is that it's, this is, you know, we should not as a city be in a position um, where we're ever canceling youth sports events out of fear of public safety. This is a problem that we have to address, and, and we should at all costs stand up to these criminals and the criminal activity to say we're not going to allow you to impact the lives of, of kids in our community, um, we're we going to we're going to fight back. Dustin, and, can you can you hang on through a break and continue this yeah. conversation? Because yeah. I got questions. Sure. Aurora City Councilman Dustin Zvonik with us talking about the well, we'll talk about it more after this games canceled because of fear of public safety. And then we'll get to you at 303-696-1971. But not until we break until that time, George Brockler talking to you right here on the Great Peter Boyle Show at 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.